Hi, I'm Beck Rayner and this is the Military Wife Life Podcast, a podcast that celebrates, empowers, supports and embraces the women behind the military men by building connections, acknowledging our strength, focusing on self-care and our mental health. Let's do this together. Welcome, Sarah, to the Military Wife Life podcast. Thanks for coming on. Happy to be here. You and your husband have been together for how many years and how did you guys meet? We actually met when we were quite young over in Perth on a scout camp. It was Christmas holidays. We didn't realise that we both actually came from New South Wales. I twisted my ankle on a concrete path and he helped me to get back to the camp. Then I went off to high school that January and there he was. We tried dating a little bit through high school but never really stuck but we got together when I was about 20 and have been together for 18 years now and married for 13. So when you met, obviously when you ended up getting together, was he already in defence or what was his situation? He wanted to join the Navy as a helicopter pilot all the way through high school but because he was so tall that wasn't allowed at the time so he didn't get to do that. We both went off and did different careers for a little while and I actually fell pregnant and sort of decided we'd needed a more reliable employer so we looked at the Navy again and he joined as an aviation technician. So can you tell us a little bit about what he does in the Navy? He's an ATV. The way I explain it to non-Navy people is he's the equivalent of an auto electrician but for an aircraft. Sometimes he's away a lot but other times we've been pretty lucky to have him home. Basically it's usually dependent on what aircraft they're working on as to how long they're away for. And so what was your actual introduction to defence like? What was the first posting or the first separation? It was a bit crazy. I had two kids under three and he went off to HMA service for basic training. It was 14 weeks at that time. There was very little contact for the first eight or ten weeks and I struggled a bit and kind of forgot at times that I'd actually agreed to it. But we made it and learnt that that was just a warm-up. <laughs> But I guess you actually didn't really know what you were agreeing to at that time. (laughs) Not really. (laughs) I thought I did, but yeah, maybe not so much. (laughs) Not until you live it. So what have been your past postings in like a general timeline of um, where you've been and where you've posted to? Uh, So far, our postings have been pretty, really lucky, actually. I went to Cerberus for the basic training a couple of days after we got married. Then from there we were posted to Wagga for his trade training. We were supposed to be there for 18 months all up, but I really didn't cope very well. So I moved to Nara Albatross ahead of him, about six months ahead, and we haven't posted away again until 2017 when he was posted on to Canberra Ships Company. So with the kids being in high school and whatnot, we decided to do that as an MWDU. So when you said that you posted ahead of him, what was the process with that? Did you have to get permission or how does that work when you want to go ahead of them? So we spoke to DCO at Wagga. I had a mental sort of health issue. I wasn't coping and 
had a bit of postnatal depression. So they looked at the situation and realised that if I was out of the stress and Adam was more concentrating on his work, it would be easier for them and us. So it took a little while to get it approved, but for the good of everyone, they did. Like you mentioned, your current situation is that your husband's posted to a ship and you're MWDU, so you're Sydney South Coast. So he's in Sydney, you're New South Wales South Coast. So I guess three hours between, which is doable back and forth on weekends, but obviously when the ship's away, he's away. Before your husband got his current posting and you guys went MWDU, you had been dealing with some serious family health issues. Can you talk us through what was going on within the family? Adam's father had been battling with cancer for a few years before he'd posted to the ship. At the time, he wasn't seriously ill, but we would regularly go and visit them on weekends so Adam could help his dad out with jobs that he wasn't able to do anymore, uh, like getting under the car and climbing the ladder and whatnot. We didn't have a clue that David's health would deteriorate at the pace that it did, so we kind of expected Adam to be finished with this posting and back at home well before you know his parents needed any serious help. You were going into a ship posting and MWDU with that added responsibility on your shoulders like along with dealing with I guess everything on the home front kids business helping out with your in-laws what was it like going into that posting knowing that you had that extra responsibility? The first year was relatively easy I'd just purchased a business so that was kind of taking my mind off. I'm just gonna stop you there so you're saying that it was easy and then in the same sentence you're saying you bought a business so yeah okay <laughs> let's try that again <laughs> so yeah <laughs> the first year was easier than the second <laughs> yeah okay so, yes yeah. yeah, so I just bought a business so that was taking my mind off Adam being away and sort of helping my daughter with finding her place in the world as she goes through high school and I um I have to admit I didn't put a lot of effort into nurturing the long distance relationship but we sort of managed to get through the second half of his posting was when things got pretty hard we were looking at the ship sailing for six months David's health had started going downhill quicker than any of us expected and his cancer had at that point moved into the bones and caused a break that couldn't be repaired or healed so in the weeks leading up to the ship sailing David was in hospital we had no idea if or when he would be able to come home I can't even imagine what was going through Adam's mind as he sort of said goodbye to his dad in hospital that day we were trying to be optimistic that David would be well and good when the ship came back but there was you know that underlying seed of doubt and not knowing as to whether he would even see his dad again. So was there ever a point where you thought that Adam should push for a compassionate posting or try and get off the ship like how does that even work with I guess he's committed to the ship he's going into it knowing that his dad's sick but not thinking that it would take a turn before he's about to sail for six months. Like, was there any option to get off the ship? We did have a look into that and sort of ran through it with his bosses. And But for the situation that we were in, we couldn't go that way, unfortunately. It would have been nice, but yeah, um, unfortunately, it just didn't work for our situation. And so how did Navy manage... Adam's family responsibilities and him going away I guess and in the lead up to deployment did he try and spend extra time with his dad like how did 
he manage knowing that he was going to be away for such a long period but then having that conflict I guess of wanting to spend time with his family but then also wanting to spend time with his dad who's pretty sick. When we sort of realised that his dad's health was deteriorating we had to try and find a way that would balance work and family and parents and all the balls. He spoke to his higher up his bosses on the ship and looked at a few different ways that could find a a better work family balance a few ideas that we had didn't really work but for us and the ship the best one that did work was uh, doing some extended hours on Monday through Thursday to cover Friday so that he could take that off and drive back down to spend the day with his parents and help them out at home. Yeah, because obviously, yeah, you've got the added, I guess, pressure of him going away. You're also MWDU, so it's not like at the end of a workday he can just pop around and see his parents every night sort of thing to cram in as much time as possible. He's got to sort of juggle his time at home with his parents, but then also juggling time with you guys because he's not going to see you guys for such a long time. Yeah, it's a pretty hard spot to be in. So did you at any point talk to him about how he's feeling, coping with all of that? I did quite a few times, but being the personality that he is, he didn't really open up a lot. But I guess what he needed from me was just to be there and support him and understand if he wanted to spend more time with his parents rather than me and the kids. So how were you feeling in the lead up to Adam deploying with his dad being so sick? Like what was you know, going through your mind? I was pretty anxious and a little bit terrified, to be honest. I wasn't able to help with David's care and I worked six days a week, so I wasn't really able to help out on the home front as well so my job was basically to keep Adam informed whilst he was at sea. There were a few discussions about sort of how much information he wanted to know and how he wanted to hear about it. It was good that we talked about that before he actually left. The big test was the day after the ship actually sailed. There was a meeting called by David's medical team and all the family were there. It was quite unnerving um, sitting in the room with all the doctors and nurses and palliative care team sort of being told in a a roundabout manner that he wouldn't recover enough to be able to walk again or have any kind of life like he used to. So they recommended at that time to put him in a home which none of our family wanted. So my absolutely amazing sister-in-law put her hand up and gave us the ability to nurse him at home as she'd been in that area of healthcare before. So that first update call (laughs) We figured out that sort of a a more clinical kind of update about what his condition was and was best sort of sent via email. So he always knew where his dad was in the sense, like health-wise. But when we got the chance to talk on the phone and stuff, I could sort of give him the more emotional side of his health and how his mother was coping. And the reason we did that was because it's really easy to misunderstand the written word. You don't get the... You can build it up or play it down. It de- yeah, you just depending yeah. on what your mood is and how you're reading into it. Yeah, exactly. And the written word's really hard to sort of convey emotion sometimes. I was always kind of terrified that I'd forget an important detail at some point or perhaps give him too much information and trying to find that balance between enough information that kept him up to date yet not to the point that he would get upset and then distracted in his job and you know perhaps make a mistake that could cause an issue on the ship. Yeah as you mentioned the first update was one day into the deployment so you're like okay here we go 24 hours in 
yep. this is what we're dealing with. <laughs> and then, I mean, you're also then dealing with missing him yourself and I guess maybe having to push those feelings sort of aside to put the, I guess, the needs of the family first, but yeah. it doesn't make the loneliness and the missing them any less. Yeah, it's pretty hard. I um, didn't look after myself very well to begin with. I kind of ran myself into the ground trying to be everything and do everything for everyone. And that caused me to have a bit of a breakdown because my mum rang me and she said to me over the phone that I sounded tired and uh, I just lost my composure. I yelled at her and cursed a bit and cried and felt like a bit of a failure at that point, not realising that my two teenagers actually heard that whole meltdown. (laughs) So that night I walked into my bedroom and I found that the kids had got gotten a poster and written a whole heap of words of encouragement all over it and blue tacked it to my bedroom wall so I would see it as soon as I opened my eyes of the morning. At that point I realised that something had broken and I, I needed help so I went to my doctor and was put on a mental health care plan so I got to see a psychologist. A lot of that time was just spent talking about what was happening to who and when and having someone to talk to that wasn't emotionally invested in the situation and able to sort of give a different point of view and with his recommendation I also organised to go and catch up with friends one night it was an overnight in Canberra I wanted to go I really wanted to go but I was also really terrified because it was the first time I'd left my two teenagers alone (laughs) (laughs) so that was a little nerve-wracking I'm so glad that I went because it just gave me that reset almost to sort of realize I could keep going and I guess it took to get to breaking point to shift you into action and I guess to remind you that you need to look after yourself as well in order to be able to look after everyone else yeah I didn't realize until that point how much I'd actually sort of just neglected my own self and I guess taking on everyone emotions and problems and ultimately health problems as well it's draining and at the end of the day sometimes you don't have anything left to give yourself yeah it, it can be pretty full-on you just don't get time to think about yourself sometimes you have to just keep going and do what needs to be done whether you want to or not but that can only last for so long yes <laughs> before your body gives you a reminder yes definitely And so Adam's dad's health took a few turns when Adam was first deployed. How did you get in contact with him and keep him informed along the way? So we basically used email as our constant contact because of where they were sailing, they were in and out of service and signal. And then there were some operations that involved the commas being turned off completely. But the emails always got through and that's kind of our constant contact. Towards the end, I had to use use the emergency family contact line that was another sort of big what do I do (laughs) moment I kind of second guessed myself as to whether the information I needed to get through to Adam was actually deemed an emergency by whoever the person is that decides that and sort of wondering if I would get him into trouble if they didn't think it was an emergency and um, what prompted you to actually call the hotline I guess 
no one really gives you a list of the situations that are acceptable and not acceptable. Yeah, it's really weird because they give you this number and say, here's the emergency number, and you go, okay, what do you call an emergency? For us, you know, something going wrong with David's health, and for other people it's losing the car keys or something like that, (laughs) you know. It, It depends on the situation and what the person's dealing with at the time. So I really overanalyzed the whole thing, and I almost had a little panic attack because I didn't know if I was doing the right thing or not. Have you heard about our Lots of Love care packages? An anonymous and free box of self-care goodies that can totally make a military spouse's day. It's a way for friends and family to send an acknowledgement in the mail to a military spouse to let them know they're awesome and the Military Wife Life community has their back. Pop over to the Military Wife Life website after you finish listening to this episode, of course, and sign someone up for the Lots of Love box. Once you called the hotline, what's the process? What happens and who answers and what do they say to you? So they've got people on call, I suppose. The gentleman I spoke to was really nice and he asked me what was happening. And so I gave him a brief rundown of the history and sort of said, at this point, I need to get him this information. And Because um, at that time, the comms were turned off, yeah. Yeah, the and comms were turned off. You couldn't, couldn't wait. No. And whilst I'd already sent an email, we didn't know when the emails were going to get switched back back on again so I thought that you know this was the only way I could get through to him so they yeah send a signal to the ship and so that signal gets passed on to him or his boss or how does that work so it goes to the ship and then they give it to the higher-ups and they have a look at it and see what it's all about. And Make then sure gets... it's not the car keys being lost. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then it's, it filters down from there. So they then give it to Adam's boss and Adam's boss would pass on the information. After that, it was decided that Adam would come off the ship to spend time with his dad. How was that decision made and did you feel relief? What were you feeling about him being back for such, I guess, a sad reason? The decision to bring him home was quite a hard one for all of us. While we knew the ship was sort of going into a quiet period of operation, Adam had the weight of sort of letting down his team by not being there versus wanting to come back and see his dad again before his illness took a turn for the worst. Uh, We didn't have a timeline to go by or we had no idea how fast David may deteriorate. So he could have been well and good one day and unfortunately gone the next. So in the end, we decided that with the ship it was scheduled to do over the next few weeks and stuff, that it would be harder to get Adam off if something happened later on. So by chance, there was a supply plane coming from the Air Force. So they put Adam on that plane and sent him home back to Australia. It was pretty emotional for me. I was was stoked that he was coming home, but in that second afterwards it was just utter guilt because I knew you know that he was coming home to pretty much say goodbye to his dad thankfully we'd sort of saved up his long service leave it was supposed to be for a family holiday but I'm so glad that we did because it gave us plenty of time for Adam to be at home without you know the stresses of having to get back to work in three or five days so if he didn't have the long service leave would he have just used I guess I don't know, compassionate leave? Like, how would that have worked if he didn't have that? So if he didn't have the long service leave, yeah, it would have been under compassionate leave and they only get 
a certain amount of time. I can't even remember how much, maybe yeah. five days or nine days or something. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it would have been quite a short visit. So Adam came home for a month and then, I guess, met back up with the ship. When you had to drop him off at the airport, was it harder than the initial day when he was leaving? You were really wondering whether he would be making it back for when his dad, I guess, eventually passed away. But since his dad had taken a turn, I guess you were really, like, on edge about what was going to happen. Yeah, it was... Um horrible it was so much harder than saying goodbye when the ship sailed I guess knowing that he might not be back again to see his dad and um, knowing that he had to sort of switch his brain from worried son back to sailor and it was just a horrible experience I hope I never have to do that again Adam goes back to the ship. How were you then supporting his family and then Adam during that time? So by that time, David, he couldn't be left alone. He was at home. So I called Adam's mum every second day to see if they needed bread or milk or anything like that. Every couple of days, the kids and I'd go over after work, sometimes have dinner there or just sometimes spend time with them so that you know, his mum had company. Brother-in-law's sort of did the same thing and we all kind of filled in the days keeping her with somebody there. My sister-in-law flew up from Melbourne for a week at a time every three weeks or so. So the whole family just rallied basically and ensured that the time that we did have left was um, as best as it could be made, I suppose. To keep Adam in the loop, I sent emails every day about what was happening with the family and who was where and what and who was visiting who and so that he knew that everything that could be done was being done. My hope was that it would take a bit of stress away from him and a bit of the worry away from him for not being here. At one point during the time I had a moment of, well, anger at at all, sort of like a what about me moment. Every call we'd managed to get through and all the emails revolved about what was happening with his mum and his dad and, you know, why couldn't we just stop and have a conversation about the kids and the me and, you know. Which is totally understandable. Yeah. I mean, yes, you feel guilt for feeling that way but you're still a person and you've still got kids and you've still got a business and yeah you're still doing all of those other things that we all struggle with when our partner's deployed and throw in extra stress and that's it's a lot yeah it is and I felt horrendous I felt so god awful for thinking that I thought I was being selfish and so I called my psychologist and moved my appointment up to the next day and you know just had a chat with him and told him what was going on and it was really helpful because to hear him tell me that it was okay to have those feelings and you know like I said it was okay to feel left out and you know I had a bit of a cry and a whinge in a a safe zone where I didn't feel judged. (laughs) How do you think Adam was feeling, I guess, getting daily updates, but then trying to focus on his job and being so far away from home? He coped as best he could, I guess. He was trying really hard just not to let his emotions sort of affect his work but being surrounded by such a great team they also sort of saw when he was having a moment and just said you know off you go take five come back reset and yeah it was with the support of his team that he really got through it then you got the news that adam's dad is really not well and may not have long left what has to happen then like did you get in contact with adam straight away were you in a 
little bit of denial like obviously there'd been ups and downs during the time while Adam was away and what happened when it got to the point where he was really really not well. I got a call on the Tuesday afternoon from my sister-in-law the nurse and David had had an event we think now it may have been his heart. I had that moment of holy shit but then everything just went sort of into overdrive. The ship was in the middle of an exercise and the comms were turned off. So I sent Adam an email straight away saying that this is what had happened and you need to prepare yourself. The call to sort of get off the ship could be any moment from now. So this was sort of mid-afternoon. When I finished work, I went straight over to the house to see if there was anything I could do to help my mother-in-law. And I was just in absolute shock in the change of David's condition considering I'd only just seen him the day before and yeah so I sent a second email because I realized that yep things had really sort of hit the fan I also managed to send his <laughs> his boss's wife a message because I knew they had contact through the ship's wi-fi sometimes just hoping you know that he could get him to check his email but really that's when the emergency line became our method of contact. I uh, called and spoke to the guy explained the situation and he decided to send an urgent signal to the ship then from that phone call to when Adam got a chance to call us off the Padre's phone was probably about a half an hour and what was it like hearing his voice horrible and great all at the same time it's such a mixed emotional experience because you just want to hear your husband and talk to your husband but in that situation you're letting someone you know that their parent could be passing away it's just yeah so I just organised someone to take care of the shop the next day, the Wednesday, and spent the whole day with the family at the house, sort of just with David. And unfortunately, when I got there Wednesday morning, I'd realised that David's health had deteriorated even more so. So called the emergency line again that morning. Luckily, I got the same guy, so it was easy to just sort of say, look, time's going faster than we even expected. And if Adam was going to get a chance to see his dad, he pretty much had to get off yesterday. <laughs> so a second signal was sent to let the hierarchy command know the situation had sort of become time critical at that point. You're at the house supporting Adam's family, also supporting your kids, trying to support Adam via emergency contact line and I guess the Padre's phone and emails and any which way you can get in contact with him what was then decided once you did get in contact with him was he coming home straight away or how did that work? The process to get Adam off the ship wasn't really something that I'd thought of until that point I just kind of thought that one of the choppers that were on the ship would grab him and go and you know head for land and I was seriously frustrated that something that seemed so easy to me was uh tied up in you know defense red tape I guess because they were in the middle of an exercise the decision to get him off Canberra was not just in the hands of the, our ship's captain. There was a message that had to be sent to the task force in charge of the exercise and they were all on a different ship. So that task force then had to try and rearrange the day's flights to free up a helicopter to pick up Adam. So we were madly booking flights for him from Townsville home like once he got to the airport but unfortunately the helicopter got there just a bit too late and he missed that flight and that was last 
last flight of the day. So we then had to book him on the first flight out in the morning. So that was pretty hard. It was really easy for me to sort of blame this nameless, faceless group of people that delayed the flight and didn't get him off the ship and pretty much got a bit angry at all of them. But it's just the situation situation. we're in. Every minute would have felt like hours just waiting to hear and waiting for him to get back. I couldn't sleep. Couldn't sit at home. So I just got in the car. He finally flew into Sydney. You picked him up at Sydney Airport. And then what? (laughs) Not a lot of talking, to be honest. He was exhausted. I was concentrating on just getting us back home as fast as possible. Because I didn't want to get there and find out that, you know, David had possibly passed just before we got there you have your husband home but it's it's not a happy homecoming it's essentially for him to say goodbye to his dad i was on a roller coaster of emotion one moment i was happy to have my other half home yet you know devastated for the reason that he was home we spent pretty much every moment we were awake for the next few days at the house with his dad and his mum and um yeah that saturday night we were all there when uh, he passed away yeah i guess adam got a couple of days with his dad what does he feel about those last days that he had with his dad just hugely thankful that he got them we didn't know if he would even get that chance so we just took it and ran with it because it was just something that we just didn't even know if we were going to get yeah so he was just feeling quite thankful that he could get there to say goodbye yeah and so how have you been supporting adam and the kids and looking after yourself at the same time just trying to stay strong for them hugging them holding them when they needed it and sort of backing away when they kind of wanted to be alone whether i liked it or not being open with the kids about how they were feeling and letting them know that what they felt was valid and not judge them on that. As for me, I kind of just put one foot in in front of the other. I haven't really done anything to look after myself per se, but kind of giving myself permission to you know have a breakdown when I was alone and have a good cry for me that was kind of the right thing to do. Adam doesn't just pack his bag up and go back to the ship like two days after something like that has happened what happens after something like that with going back to work and you need time to grieve and process but you've then got conflicting responsibilities so what happened after his dad passed away? The first week was the compassionate posting for the passing of his father we still had a couple of weeks off our sleeve from the long service leave so we used those to sort of give everyone time to get their head back together again and just come to terms with our sort of new normal I guess. And so now it's been I guess a couple of months and Adam's gone back to being MWDU and back to work. How is that all going? It's been pretty hard. Obviously I knew he had to go back at some point but the time that we had at home just seemed to melt away faster than any time before. Were you a little bit sad that you didn't get to have the homecoming moment? Yes and no. It didn't really hit me until I sort of started seeing pictures and videos come up on Facebook and Instagram of people doing their reunion on the dock and stuff. And whilst I would have loved to have kind of had that experience, it's just nothing compared to how grateful I was that he was home to spend that time with his dad and grieve with his family and yeah, just start moving on. Any words of comfort for other defence couples going through something similar? Is there something that you would I guess think in your mind a mantra that you would replay to keep you going on those days when everything felt a little bit much as hard as it is 
at the time what you're going through I just had to remember that the pressure would sort of ease at some point you know stay strong and when you need to be but also sort of give yourself permission to have a moment of brokenness when you need it because if you don't let it out at some point it's just it's going to swallow you is there anything that you think people might like to know, I guess, or people in a similar situation might need to hear? If you have a family member that could potentially have like a rapid decline in health, just make a plan. If you're going to see or posting interstate or, you know, figure out what you will need to do if that situation comes up. And if you have a plan in place, it makes it life easier for the, the person left at home to sort of know what to do next alongside side with that is talk to that person talk to the family member that could you know have that bad turn of health sort of find out what they want you know some people would really rather their family to travel and see them before their life ends rather than spending that kind of money and time to go to a funeral it's really hard but you have to have an honest and open conversation and I guess on the same token keeping your bosses informed about what's going on as well instead of leaving it until the last minute so they can, I guess, prepare for any help they can give you. Yeah, absolutely. We were so lucky that Adam's team were so good together and, you know, you could go to the boss and have a chat and not worry about judgment of any kind or anything like that. And every step of the way just saying, right, this is what's happened. This is what's happened. What could potentially happen next? And keeping them in the loop, pretty important, especially when you need to move quickly. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Sarah. Hopefully anyone else out there in this similar situation, it's not a great place to be, but I guess hearing about how someone else got through it and coped with such tragic situation alongside defence life, hopefully it'll help some other people out there i really hope so i so hope you are able to relate or take something away from today's episode there are definite ups and downs to military life but let's get the conversation happening so we can see that we are all in this together we are all just doing our best so until next week you got this let's do this together one day at a time Thank you so much for tuning in. If this episode has touched you, helped you, or given you that extra confidence to keep going, to continue to hold down the home front, to continue to do all the things, I would so appreciate it if you could pop into Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review, a comment about what you would like to hear more of, or just some encouraging words. If you want to suggest a guest, I am always looking for new people to talk to. You can do that by jumping over to the website www.militarywifelife.com.au and clicking on our podcast page. I would love to hear from you. 